Join me in last week's episode as I talk to Emmy Award-winning producer Brandon T. Adams about how he got his start in the family business, Shipping Ice, and is now on the advisory board for Ship Chain. Join us at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 76. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes-Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. This episode is brought to you by IANA. IANA represents the intermodal freight transportation industry. Every year they put on a massive event, Intermodal Expo, where the stakeholders, decision makers, and influencers of the intermodal supply chain gather. Expo is the place to be to make connections and advance your business. Expo will be held in Long Beach, California, September 15th through 18th, and I'll be attending and hope to see See you there. Register online today at intermodalexpo.com. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. I am gearing up for my next week in Panama. I'm going to be at the Supply Chain Forum on the Thursday, which is August 23rd. But before that, I'm going to take a couple of days to relax at an all-inclusive there. I can't wait to come back and tell you guys all about it. But before we get into today's episode, let's get to the question of the week. So the question is, what are your biggest questions around blockchain in supply chain? Over on LinkedIn, Scott Schertzer says, what have been the biggest wins and challenges with Walmart and blockchain? And Greg White answers him and says, I'm not sure about Walmart, but the consumer's biggest win opportunity is that blockchain makes sure my favorite ice cream double dunker gets to market. If you want to see more of that thread, go to listeners corner at letstalksupplychain.com. Demo Perez says, how countries will use blockchain technology based platforms on customs? Well, it helps to reduce counterfeit and increase traceability. Tejas, do Duhad says, how is blockchain and supply chain better than a regular system? And which company builds blockchain-based supply chain networks? Kimberly Jane, I understand blockchain and can see the long-term, the advantages it can bring to supply chains once it's further developed. However, my biggest concern is what happens to the smaller suppliers of parts, products, and or services that can't afford to invest in blockchain. Johan Strom answered Kimberly to say, I think this is a great opportunity opportunity for smaller suppliers to get more business. I don't think it will be a matter of big investments in the tech, but a matter to us access the shared ledger provided by retailers. Over on Twitter, Emilio Intercaso says, how would blockchain help secure a supply chain? And over on Instagram, Grayspace says, do we see this being a requirement for manufacturing anytime soon for accountability purposes? And Vicky SW says, how can blockchain ease supply chain processes? To find any of the past questions and more of these comments, visit Listener's Corner on Let's Talk Supply Chain.com. And you can ask a supply chain question. Just shoot me, shoot me an email at listener at letstalksupplychain.com. And if you would like to get involved and share your thoughts, remember every single Wednesday we post the question of the week on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. So 
So let's face it, we all use promotional products to get our brand message out to the world and keep our company top of mind. But how important is responsibly sourced branded merchandise? The answer is very, very important. And in today's episode, we are talking to the association that makes that happen, Quality Certification Alliance. So before we dive in, let's get to know Tim Brown, Executive Director of Operations, just a little bit more. So Tim has seen his fair share of promotional products. As the Executive Director of QCA, he understands both the risks and rewards of this effective marketing medium. The only advertising that elicits a thank you from its audience. In this role, he is responsible for the overall direction and operational oversight of QCA as the promotional product industry's only independent nonprofit organization dedicated to ensuring brand safety and responsible sourcing. Before joining QCA, Tim spent more than a decade in the promotional products industry. Most recently, he was the product responsibility manager at promotional products. Association International, where he was instrumental in the management and rollout of PPAI's Product Safety Aware Program and the development of several best practices and guidance manuals. Prior to that, he was the owner of his own responsible sourcing consulting firm, and he got his start in the industry as a supplier relationship manager at Sintas in the branded apparel and promotional products division. So welcome to the show, Tim. Sarah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you today about QCA and really give the listeners another perspective on the promotional goods industry, since it's an industry that completely connects us all. So tell us about the association. Why was it started? And what do you do? I will gladly do that. And really, before I directly answer that question, I believe it's essential for your audience to really understand the background on what led to the need for an organization such as QCA. Uh, so for, for, cause that'll help them understand better as we go along here, why it's important to them and the, the what's in it for them uh, or the what's in it for me, if you want to, you know, use the proper terminology. So for starters, QCA is a 501c6 not-for-profit process accrediting certification body. And, and we are within the promotional products industry alone. Our mission is really to protect brands that use promotional products and help grow the promotional products industry by holding the suppliers and distributors within this industry accountable accountable to uh, manufacturing and sourcing best practices. So then getting into what you were saying, over the years, there have been a growing number of uh, social responsibility concerns, product safety concerns and issues. Um, and, and any of the associated recalls that go with those things, really with goods that are primarily manufactured in Asia. And, and typically we hear about this stuff through retail and on the news because those brands really have the exposure and the awareness in retail that everybody sees it, feels it, touches it. They're intimately involved with those, those brands. The promotional products industry itself is not immune to the same risk and concerns in these areas. Uh, and this is because promotional products at their core are a consumer product. No different than what you buy at the, the big box retailers online, whatever, they're consumer product. The only difference is that, or the real differentiating factor there is that they are a consumer product with a dual purpose. And that in that they convey a message, whether it be with a logo, a tagline, a phrase, a call to action, etc. 
So really why I went into that was for your rest, listeners to get a full picture of why you have me on the show today and why they should continue really listening to the program. You know, I want to set the stage with a scenario here that lets them see what's in it for them and, and, and why the topic's critical to their brand reputation. And that really explains why QCA exists. So let's say your organization is working hard to ensure you have compliance, accountability, transparency, and visibility throughout your supply chain. And that's what your show brings to the listeners, how to do that the best way. So I know your listeners, this is important to them. So they're doing this already throughout their own supply chain. Everything from designing in safety and regulatory requirements um, to, to the raw materials they use, on through production and even through their shipping processes. Now, let's just say they one of them or all of them, or for, we'll just say one of them launches a new product, or they decide that they're going to be promoting at this huge event or fundraiser, and they purchase hundreds, if not thousands, of promotional products to get the word out. The, these are the products that your organization now has no control over where, how, or in what ma manner these products were made, yet the company's brand via a logo or tagline is really plastered all over the item. So in the, in the consumer's eyes, it's their product, it's their brand. And you may be thinking to yourself right now, well, that's really the marketing department's responsibility. And that'd be partially true, but the, the, the supply chain side, while marketing is primarily responsible for the promoting piece, Supply chain's responsible for the products that an organization uses, and often that's whether it's the indirect or the direct spend. So let's just say now the event went off without a hitch. Everyone's excited. They got their gifts. They got their incentives, promo items, swag, merch, whatever you want to call it. And then a few weeks later, word gets out that the products do not meet certain federal or state regu regulations or standards for product safety. Or... It's found that slave labor or other human rights violations, abuses were taking place during the manufacture of those items um, that you use to promote yourself. What kind of impact, I want to ask your listeners, would that have on their brand Absolutely. reputation? What would it cost them in terms of fines, penalties, bad press, and recall processes? Uh, and, and how would they even react at that point? Many would be to blame in this process, and contrary to what some may be thinking right now, their organization would be no exception. Their name's on it. They chose the vendor. They sourced it. Their brand is out there. So while they can go after their vendors, they have a responsibility to source responsibly. And this is really why QCA exists. You know, there's no guarantees in life or business, and there's always ways to mitigate risk. And many of your listeners, as I already mentioned, are incorporating these risk mitigation processes into their operations. But it went, when often when it comes to the indirect spend category, the same attention and detail and respect just often isn't there by most, most organizations. And with promotional products, more so than others, since they carry your brand reputation, the procurement supply chain group can really add value to this process. So um, rather than let these promotional products, which often fly under the radar when it comes to transparency and accountability, um, the procurement group, the supply chain group, can help protect and grow their own brands by getting processes and policies around this stuff. And, and, and 
those policies and processes address the real reasons for concern and why QCA exists. And we exist to protect brands and mitigate risk for them by holding the promotional products industry accountable and giving peace of mind to your users. I love the picture that you just painted there, because again, like you said, they go under the radar and yet they are a super critical piece to brand recognition. And they're also something that people use and companies use and different departments use for all sorts of different things. Um, when you think about promotional products being, you know, pens all the way to, you know, giveaways at trade shows. And if the brand recognition and the brand awareness and the impact to the brand, if you're not getting this part right, can be really, really costly. And you talk about everybody sort of being reactionary rather than being proactive in this regard. And you can blame other people, but that's reactionary. Why not be proactive and make sure that the goods that you are bringing into your brand um, as part of that recognition process really fall into, you know, the categories of compliance, responsible sourcing and brand safety. And in doing my research for this interview and for this episode, um, I took a look at your website and those three things are very, very prominent. Why don't you tell that us why, why are those three things so important for the promotional products industry? Um, what the, um, the, the three things that we were, were, were talking about here really kind of come together in, in, in sort of a, a unique way and they build on one another. And it's, it kind of starts with the fact that leaving off or picking up where I left off a minute ago, you take the promotional products industry and it's really part of the marketing industry. And it often then falls under the indirect spend category of procurement. And it just doesn't get the same attention and scrutiny often. And so let's be honest, when you buy promo, you're thinking, you're not thinking about where it comes from or how the products were made or whether or not it complies with re regulations or product safety laws or, you know, uh, ethics violations or anything. That's not on your mind. The scary part is that the same people, companies, uh, organizations that are, 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 are not thinking about this, they're throwing their most valuable asset, their brand <laughs> reputation, and putting it on these products via their logo or other messaging. So the, while the marketing department is primarily is the primary user, but individual departments also use it as well without any oversight or even the procurement department to be involved. I'll give you an example. I used to work in healthcare. I was in the materials management department, and reining in promo spend was difficult. Every department head ordered whatever they wanted, whether it was a pen, a mug, a bag, a shirt, uh, some really nice quality items or some really inexpensive, you know, tchotchke type items. They, they were ordering from all over the place and they had full reign to do so. And nobody really monitored it until we finally stepped in and started looking at it. Wow. Um, so most organizations do not have any formal processes or policies around this stuff how they order it or what they do with it. So all the components you just mentioned, compliance, responsible sourcing, brand safety, it actually all comes together to work in synergy to protect the brand and align the values and processes of, of most direct supply chain requirements. It really brings an aligning of values of the average organization to this industry. And it all starts 
with the users of the products and how they are sourcing it. Absolutely. So then, um, you know, how do businesses, how do departments, how do organizations, um, what do they ask promotional products companies? Because obviously they're going to them, they're placing the order, they're finding the the products that they're that they're wanting to use from a promotional standpoint. But what are the big questions that they should be asking to make sure that they are compliant and that their brand recognition is safe? There's really a handful of basic questions that they, they could ask. They could ask a bunch and I could give a bunch, but I want to stay with the highlights here because everything else builds from there. And I think the the the, the typical buyer is going to pick up on what the follow-up questions would be after this. And so this is what your listeners should be asking um, the industry distributor. That's who they're calling their promotional products vendor. Um, do you have a documented compliance program in place? And if they say yes, you ask for proof. If no, obviously ask why not. And obviously there's bigger concerns at that point. Uh, another question is, do you have a code of conduct and are your re suppliers required to sign it? Now, often in this industry, that's often as far as it goes, um, which is another reason we, we do a lot with social responsibility as well. So it's not just getting a vendor to sign that code of conduct. You need to then verify how they maintain compliance with that code of conduct. What audit procedures do they have? Who conducts the audits? How are, how are the audits handled? How, how long ago were, were, was the factory audited and those types of things? Um, and then how, how do you choose your supplier partners? And the, the supplier partners are the manufacturers in this industry. They're the ones who um, are bringing in blank goods from China. They're manufacturing them most always in China and Asia, but then they bring them in blank and wait for the order from that distributor. And so you ask your distributor really, you know, how do you how do you choose your supplier partners and beyond creativity, price and delivery? You know, price and delivery are given in any business creativity, depending on where you're at. And in this industry, you hear all the time it's about creativity. And so nobody wants to give out the same old pen. They're often only willing to pay for the same old pen. <laughs> but they 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 talk a lot about creativity. But peace of mind and, and assurance of the brand's safety should be at the top of that list. Uh, and then even ask what third-party certifications or accreditations they require of suppliers, whether that be RAP, FLA, um, BlueSign, B Corp, uh, QCA obviously was one we would like to see in that conversation. You know, And finally, do you directly source overseas on your own? And then if the answer is yes, how do you assure compliance? Because there are some of their vendors bypass the traditional supply chain and are sourcing through brokers on their own, which opens up a whole other conversation that we don't even have time to go into today. So those are really the root, um, get to the root of the issue and everything else builds from them. And the key is really just to build trust and verify. It's that old trust, but verify saying. And the whole goal is to then mitigate risk and, and, and anything like that related to brand damage. Yeah, and really protect that brand. And I know a lot of times, especially with the next generation, they're really focused on that sustainability component, you know, the responsible sourcing. And, you know, as they come up in the organizations, those are things that are going to be top of mind. And so for companies in the promotional products 
industry, um, I would assume that it's got to be somewhere on the top of their list to get accredited because that is where that's where industry is going. That's what companies are going to be looking for. They're going to want to partner with companies that not only are going to protect their brand, but also have similar values to them. You know, and I believe that. I believe that wholly. And um, if you if you could humor me, I would love to share a couple stats with you that prove how sure. far the industry is still lacking in that area. Yes, I would love that. Um, so the the promotional products industry itself is a twenty four billion dollar industry. Wow, and that's a big number. Yes, it sorry. is. Most people yeah. just don't think about that. You were about to say something. I'm sorry. No, no, I just, I just, that's a really big number. I mean, take that number and try to digest it. $24 billion industry. Yes. And it just, and it doesn't get the same respect as TV and magazine ads, yet it's one of the only, it's, it's rated as one of the top mediums for recall as far as the, mm. the user, the product recalling the message and who gave it to them because they're constantly holding the product in their hand. No other advertising medium does that. And no other advertising medium causes people to stand in line and wait for it. Right. Um, so it's a fantastic medium. And I want to impress that upon your listeners because it, just like digital media, marketers are flocking to it and continue spending money. But there's all kinds of concern about brand safety there, where the messaging is located, what the, 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 the channel is that it's on, where is it next to, who, what can people do with it in the, in the, on the internet. And so there's all these concerns, but it's not scaring them away. And neither should the same for this medium. It, it's just no, being aware and doing the right things. And so out of that $24 billion, 30,000 are the distributors. There's 30,000 plus distributors that we know of that are the ones selling to businesses, organizations, associations, whatever. They're selling the products and then they buy them from roughly 3,500 suppliers uh, that we are that we know are registered with the trade association. So there's more out there, but 3,500 of these suppliers um, are registered. So when you look at those numbers, most of it overseas, as I mentioned earlier, some domestically. Um, the important part with those numbers is a study I'd like to cite because it says better than what I can. And it really kind of goes to, well, I believe wholeheartedly what you said. Um, and we hear it from businesses all the time. It really comes down to acting and it really comes to getting this industry's attention. And these numbers say it way better than I could. Um, there was a recent study conducted by the Adver Advertising Specialty Institute, and annually they do a state of the industry report. And they found that one third of the suppliers in the industry, that 3,500 number that I, that I mentioned, they're the ones that primarily manufacture these products. 30% did not spend any money on product safety in 2018. Uh, looking ahead, the vast majority of suppliers don't plan to boost their product safety spending in 2019. And you may think, okay, 30% out of that, it really isn't a, a horrible number, but the real story lies in 17% said that they spent $1,000 or less. Um, that's basically the cost of one, maybe two product safety test reports. Um, then there's 25% that say they spent one to 5,000. 14% spent 5,000 to 25,000. 
and 14% spent over $25,000. And you and me both know $25,000 does not make a compliance program. It's, it, it, think of if you got a dedicated program, you usually have a body dedicated to that. So you're already spending more. Um, and less than 1% of our industry suppliers right now are even accredited by QCA. Uh, and they will exceed, well exceed that $25,000 um, with, with all the procedures they have to go through. So I think it's just really, I wanted to back up what you said with, yes, I agree, but unfortunately the industry still hasn't gotten the message, even with the trade association right. preaching it constantly to them. Well, and so in that respect, then, you know, the pressure really needs to come from the brands. Yes. Right. If they're not going to take the onus on themselves to make sure that they are compliant, make sure that they're sourcing responsibly and make sure that your brand is safe, then the pressure needs to come from the customer and the pressure needs to come from the businesses that are buying these products and putting their brands on them. And then they're going out to the public. I mean, one thing that you didn't even mention was as far as safety, you know, what if it hurts somebody? Yes. I hadn't even gotten right. That what yet. are the You're right? Yeah. What are the ramifications of that? And so what are you doing internally to put the pressure on your partners or to work with partners who are accredited to make sure that your brand is safe and that you're being proactive. And I think that that is really the most important message for us to get across today to the listeners, because I'm sure it's a large percentage of you know the listener base that either receive promotional products purchase promotional products are involved in decisions um, of buying those promotional products that really need to hear this and maybe not realizing some of those stats and what they're up against and um, how they can really help and make sure to protect their brands so you know, we talk about the accreditation, we talk about QCA, um, you know, what sets you apart from other programs out there and who can apply for accreditation and why, why should they? I mean, we kind of talked about the why. Yeah. So maybe just talk about, you know, what sets you apart from the other programs and who can apply to be accredited? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of good programs out there. And, and even through our process, if somebody is certified by certain organizations and it depends on their level of certification we don't just blanketly accept things but depending on the organization and what level they've been certified at we will accept that sometimes in lieu of the additional audit to prove it because we're all worried about audit fatigue so we you know we i mentioned earlier you take a, a rap you take fla you take b corp blue sign iso there's all these different organizations out there um, most of the time, the ones who are offering certifications, um, and, and let's throw ISO out because it is individual certifications at all these different levels. So you can take this category, that category, and you move around it. Um, but often when somebody looks at something, it's a lot of times they're looking at social responsibility and occasionally environmental stewardship. And those are very, very important. And they're, a big, they're big components of our, our uh, accreditation as well. But we go into product safety, 
product quality, and even supply chain security. So when an organization comes out of our program, they're ready to be CTPAT certified. Um, they've gone through, we've taught them, walked them through the entire program for that. They've got all the product safety protocols into their processes and procedures for their products, what they manufacture and how they do it. And so while the, the overall accreditation is all about the same principles, it's always tailored to the individual product. You obviously make a pen different than you do a shirt, different than you do a, a bottle, different than you do a tech item like a battery charger. Um, and so we really dial in and where we think, we, as far as I know, as far as I know, there's no other accreditation offered that hits all five of those pillars as a requirement. It's not a cafeteria style. For them to complete our program, they must hit all five of those pillars that I just mentioned. That's great. And I think that it's an important part to, you know, mention that it is so thorough, right? We're, we're focusing on the fact that this is about your brand recognition. It's about your brand safety. And you want to know that there are programs out there like QCA that have your back, because if you're going to put this process in place and you're going to make sure that you're dealing with partners that have all of this in place, you want to make sure that there's an association out there that's going to help you to do that. Right. So you don't feel on your own. And I think I think that that's great. And I think that it's very important that we go through all of those steps, especially as a company that provides pro consumer product in a 24 billion dollar industry. I mean, let's get that is a really, really big number. And it's really important that we get that right, because even from a waste perspective, right? right I mean, it's one of the most wasteful, I would assume, industries. Yes. Um, and so I believe that the association will help with that as well, right? Because obviously through your programs, you're making sure that they're not only responsibly sourcing, I'm sure you get into probably sustainability at some point, um, making sure that products can be reused, that kind of thing as We're well. We're working with them heavily during the, the environmental stewardship side, sustainability side, as far as within their manufacturing processes. And then as an industry, okay. we're looking at how do we then uh, eliminate the waste? And that really a lot of times comes down to when, 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 when you're buying these products and when you're selling them, look to products that have value and have use. If you're going to an event and or you're buying products to put your logo on and you just say, I only want to spend X amount of money and that's going to get you everything under a dollar. It's really hard to not find a wasteful product at that point um, mm -hmm. because it has no value or use really. And so you're really just giving something away that's not going to be remembered, that's not going to be carrying your message uh, and is going to contribute to waste. If you look and choose, and there's a lot of good quality products in this industry and people spend a lot of time and money trying to come up with better, more useful items and get them to, be, uh, to last longer and be more reusable um, so that they don't hit the waste stream uh, as quickly. You know, All consumer products have a lifespan, but what can you do to extend that life cycle? And so... That also comes down to not just the industry itself, but the, the users of the products being willing to mm -hmm. spend a little more sometimes and or maybe give out a little less so that they can afford to buy a nicer product 
that really in the end accomplishes their goals. When you buy this stuff just on price, you're getting what you pay for, and you're just as big a contributor to the to the environmental hazards and waste as anybody else. So, yeah, and I think the pressure is going to come from the brands as well, right? Because everybody is sort of looking for that circular supply chain. They're looking to be aligned with partners and companies and suppliers that are going to help them do that. Um, so the pressure for that will also come from the brands. But I'm asking you, I want to ask you, you know, are the promotional products companies, are they taking that into account? Are they looking for products that um, can be circular, where they can be reused or maybe put back into the soil or, or different things like yeah, that? Yeah, more, more and more companies are doing that. And it, it has become a, a bigger topic in recent years at a lot of the uh, education events. It's a focus of what mm -hmm. we're trying to work with our companies to do through their processes. Um, you know, there's there's people out there in our industry that are exclusively selling cards made that are designed that after the message is delivered, they're planted in the ground and, 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 a, and a flower Great. grows from it. Uh, you hear about more and more plastic bags being banned all over the place. And so you get into the, the, the reusable bags um, again, you get the really inexpensive, quote unquote, reusable bag, it's going to be treated like mm -hmm. the regular plastic bag. But when you're using these, um, a lot of these tote bags that are made of better quality, they may be made of recycled fabric, um, or they may be recyclable in the end, you get uh, more of a circular type economy at that point and, and product. And they're doing that with a lot of things. They're making a lot more out of plastic bottles these days, a lot of apparel. Um, more and more products that, that it's continually being investigated and researched and implemented as to how they can make more environmentally friendly product. Well, I love it's to hear that. It's a long way that. to go, but it's happening. Yeah, and I love to hear that. And I'm sure the listeners are, you know, really excited to hear that as well, um, because it's something that's definitely top of mind, obviously, with climate change and everybody talking about the plastics in the ocean. And I think everybody sort of has a part in that. Um, and I also think to the brands and to the listeners to really, really think about what your intentions are. Um, and maybe, maybe you don't have to buy en masse. Maybe if you're honing in on what your intentions are with that specific product, um, you might be able to come up with the same budget, but purchase better quality products um, for a smaller group of people that are going to have more impact. So finally, I just want to ask you, you know, I'm excited for the future of QCA. Can you tell us what's next? Yes. Um, what's next is actually taking place right now. Um, we've really been making a, a, a strong effort to get out and talk to the brands out there because, you know, and I want to be cautious. I don't want to give a gloom and doom representation of the industry. There's a lot of good companies and they're, and they're doing a lot of good things and maybe they haven't pursued the accreditation process. But, but I have always been a firm believer, even when I was on the distributor side in our business, of third-party verifications. I, I don't want to take anybody's word. I don't like self-attestations. So we're out there while we're spreading the message about how to source responsibly this medium. We don't want to scare anybody away from it because it really is a fantastic medium. But we're now engaging more with, with the, the audience, so to speak. We, we have ways that those brands out there can, can show some support for us and help drive the message. They can do it just by word of mouth or they can get involved with us 
in, in, a, in a small way to, to help spread that message and drive it down into our supply chain more assertively. And we've also, the people that they're buying from right now, we just announced this past week um, a certification for those distributors in the industry. So while the suppliers are responsible for the majority of the, the manufacturing and the, the compliance there, you've got this middleman that is really the one who helps make all the decisions and get the ball rolling. And that a lot of people want to buy from somebody who has had their processes vetted, not just the person they buy from from third wheel down the line. And so listening to the, the request of the distributors in our industry who want to step up and take a greater uh, stand in this and want to open themselves up to greater scrutiny and in doing so assure the brands um, that they're doing all they can to be good brand stewards. Um, we're now offering a certification for them and we've had a few just start the process now in the last week um, and we're getting a lot of phone calls about that. So we're very excited that we're really kind of bringing it full circle, where it's really a coalition of brands and our industry, each both sides of our industry, to work together for um, a more sustainable and effective future for this industry and their brand. Absolutely. And I'm excited that QCA is spearheading this. So keep your business safe and make sure your partners are sourcing responsibly. QCA can help you find a partner that's right for you. And if you are a supplier or distributor, they can help keep you compliant, protect your customers and provide the necessary resources to bring you into the future. For more information about Tim, QCA and this episode, please visit letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 77. Thank you, Tim, for coming on the show and sharing your insights about something that touches us all and something that touches all of our lives. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder, has to say. How long does it take you to get a duty rate or guidance on the right HS classification from your current customs broker? With Border Buddy's new revolutionary self-service technology, you will never go traditional again. We have created a platform that allows you to get instant quotes on duties, taxes, and customs fees to import your products into North America. To get 10% off your first clearance, sign up at borderbuddy.com forward slash let's talk supply chain. If you liked this episode, make sure to check out some of our other episodes, including in season one, uh, wherever you listen to Let's Talk Supply Chain, whether that be iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and look for the episode with Primeline, as Primeline is in the promotional products industry, and we talk to them a little bit about what they're doing and how their supply chain works. Next week, I am talking to Charles Brewer, and we are talking all about your personal impact on supply chain. This came up because a few listeners sent me a couple of questions along these lines, and I wanted to make sure that we answered it. And Charles is, he gives us all the advice and insights on that and how we impact the supply chains every single day. So remember to check that out next week. If you want to 
help support the show, there's a couple ways to do that. Make sure to subscribe. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe on the YouTube channel, the SC Supply Chain TV, so you don't miss out on any of the new episodes that we're coming out with. And follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. If you go to Let's Talk Supply Chain under shop, I have a bunch of merch and they are t-shirts with some of the sayings that I say on this show. Plus, I have a supply chain dictionary full of 107 pages full of acronyms and definitions you're going to need to succeed in supply chain. Go to ships, that's S-H-I-P-Z dot com and be one of the first to know once we're ready to launch, which will be soon. So you're going to want to be on that list. And lastly, rate and review the show on iTunes and I will mention your review on an upcoming episode. Thank you so much to everybody for supporting the show. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. And remember, everybody, ship happens.